What up, Salt Company? Hope you guys are doing well. Excited to be with you guys again for uh, the fourth episode of the Flourish podcast. This has been such a fun journey throughout this winter break to learn and, and read the book of John and actually walk with different co-hosts as we discuss conversation um, or have conversation about things in the Bible. And today I am joined with my good friend, my mentor, my hero, Travis Manderfield. Travis, you want to introduce yourself? What's up, Salt Company? Tony forgot to say his now boss. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> or his boss's boss. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But uh, yeah, my name is Travis, and uh, Tony and I have known each other now for, gosh, what's it been? Four years? Four years, man. Four years, yeah, since the OG Salt Company. That's right. Good times. And, and Travis, what do you do for Salt City? What's kind of the role that you stepped into? Yeah, so today is my first day at Salt City, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and right. this is my first meeting uh, is this podcast with Tony, and uh, I'm the executive pastor here at Salt City, which is a new role. We've never had this role before, um, and mainly what this role is is just to provide uh, some organizational leadership um, as Salt City gets a little bit more complex and bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, we're closing on a church building. Yeah, we already did on. close on a church building, which is amazing. Um, and no one on our staff is supposed to be looking after that. And so they need <laughs> someone to look after that church building. And the building looks over itself. It's yes, like its yes. own <laughs> project. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Cool. Well, Trav, tell us a little bit about how long you've been following Jesus, when you first got plugged into Salt Company, how we got to know each other. Let's give you, the listeners a little bit of insight into the life of Travis Manderfield. The background, yeah. So uh, I've been following Jesus since probably senior year of high school. Um, went to a Christian school, Christian family, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, just started making some bad decisions, living for the world in high school. And um, mm -hmm. I'd say senior years when Jesus became a joy to follow rather than a set of rules to follow. And so I've mm. uh, been trying to follow him ever since then. I was a part of Salt Company at Iowa State where I went to college and um, was a part of that for four years. And then when uh, the church was planting uh, up in Minneapolis, uh, came up here and was helping out with Salt Company as they got off the ground. Um, I was the weird graduated student <laughs> who was hanging out on campus trying to hang out with freshmen. And Mad get their creepy, phone man. He was super creepy back then. <laughs> super, super, super creepy uh, uh. for sure. So and then I met Tony, um, one of the first students that we met uh, during orientation week. Was that orientation week? Maybe. Yeah. Were you at the, uh, the soft kickoff? at all yes. at blarney's okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a good time tony was at the soft kickoff in the spring and mm -hmm. then in the falls when we met at this pancake party yeah and uh i was telling tony i have a funny little story for him. <laughs> so i broke out my ipad that i have sitting in front of me here oh, for no. the first time in about a year and uh one of the um sheets that was up google sheets was a shared document that i had with my co-leader at the time connor Wollenhouse, <laughs> about all of these contacts oh, that no. we were making uh on the U of M's campus and at oh, the top man. of the list was Tony Lee and <laughs> under the comment section it says can't make kickoff seems bought in <laughs> and, uh, oh man that's it was, so funny it was a testament to Tony's whole whole year where he was so busy <laughs> and he was working a lot and he was killing it with a lot of different things but oh, he man. he loved Salt Company from day one so that's so funny. Can't make kickoff. Seems bought in. <laughs> <laughs> like no one else had notes, but that was for some reason the one note four years ago that we put in there for you. So. Oh, man. That's, that's so funny. 
yeah, really excited to have Travis on this podcast, primarily because I respect his walk with Jesus and the man of God that he's been in my life, but also because he thinks really critically about these issues. And, and the conversation that we're going to have today for our fourth episode is, is on this conversation of Jesus in John 14, saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one else can come to the Father except through him. So this would be, in my opinion, one of the most controversial statements in the Bible, and I would even go as far as to say one of the most controversial statements in all of human history, as Jesus describes himself as a singular pathway to eternal life in God, and specifically heaven. And so we want to have that conversation. I'm excited to have Travis here with me today, primarily because this is a difficult conversation, but one conversation we think might be uh, incredibly helpful for you as you walk with Jesus and begin to ask hard questions about the world around you and the word of God. So, Travis, just to begin with this, let's just kind of get it clear. That that section of scripture in John 14, what would you say uh, to the question, what is Jesus actually saying here? I think when we read the Bible, sometimes it can be a little bit confusing. We can kind of not understand exactly what Jesus is saying, but I just want to get this really, really clear so that we can move into a little bit of the other questions surrounding this issue. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I think this, what Jesus is saying here, it really speaks to... Um, kind of some of the big questions that everyone has to answer for themselves. And that is, mm. what am I doing here? Why are things the way that they are? Um, what is this nature and design that I see around me? Mm. And uh, what am I going to do about it? Right? Like, how does it impact my life now? And um, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian or believe in another religion, like those are some of the questions that the thinking person asks right. often, right? Because there's two ways to go through life. There's one way of like trying to figure out what this is all about. And there's another way, which is just like enjoy everything to the absolute fullest and not really care. <laughs> and that to me seems like a, a pretty empty path. Um, right. And so I think what Jesus is really getting at here is trying to figure out, okay, what is the way, what is the truth and what mm. is the life? And Jesus says, it's me. And so yeah. when someone says that we should probably figure out what they have to say and see right. if that matches up with what we've experienced. Yeah, in a sense, uh, those are some of the biggest questions human beings have, right? Is, what's my way in this life? Because even though we're born, we don't necessarily have an express purpose of where we're heading or how we're living. And so the way is like a descriptive, like, okay, what's the path that I need to take? The truth? I think human beings, in a really unique way, have a striving for truth. And that is through the institutions of education, it's all around us, like intuitively in us, we desire to know more things and to have truth. And lastly, I think even with uh, a purpose and truth, I think sometimes people um, are asking the question, what does it look like to actually live? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest questions of our generation is, um, man, I'm existing, I have fun, I have I'm in college. A lot of things in my life seem to be pointing in this direction of like vague goodness. Mm -hmm. And yet I feel like I'm just essentially lasting through life, not really living through life. Right. And I think what Jesus does is he comes to offer life and life abundantly. And that's a really unique statement because no one else can actually make that statement for you. Right. And so Jesus chooses to make um, one of the more controversial statements in all of human history. Right. That. And even like tied in with life is like joy and yeah, yeah. the good life. Like, right. That idea of like, totally this life isn't always going to be fun, but mm -hmm. you can have joy and a purpose yeah. and like the right way to live within this life. And so yeah. kind of like even going into 
the Bible a little bit more, like I think that's one of the most compelling things about Christianity is it doesn't sugarcoat life. Right, right. right? Like it talks very openly yeah. that life's hard. Like there's Psalms where it's uh-huh. literally like, God, you know, kill me now. Like this yeah. life is so difficult. What are yeah. you doing? And David's just like calling out to the Lord. And um, that's that's like true. Like we've all right. experienced that at different times. And right. um, I, li- I love that about the Bible is yeah. that it doesn't mince words. It doesn't paint this picture that's not true. Right, right. Travis, in John 14, as Jesus says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. What's like the overarching theological principle that he's trying to communicate to us in this text? Yeah, so I think the big thing is, um, A, that we need a way, the truth, and the life, yep. and B, that it can only be found through him, right? through Christ, right? And uh, there's plenty of other places that will try to offer you that mm-hmm. way, that truth, and that life. Um and maybe not as explicitly say it, but offer it to you. Right, right. And Jesus is saying, no, it, you got to find it through me. Yeah. In a sense, nothing else will work. Right. right? Whether it's other religions, other uh, idols that we have, getting the money, getting the girl, getting the life experience, none of that will actually be fulfilling to us because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. And I think for us, as we enter into the rest of this podcast, that is the claim of Christianity that Jesus is the only way to the Father and necessita- necessi- necessity necessity I was trying to think of the word right there but I don't don't know what I was trying to say. So, he is It was like a combination of necessity and yeah. necessary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever that is. Whatever that word is. If you guys know what that word is, let me know via my email. But uh, <laughs> yes, so Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, the only way to get to the Father. And I think that's the important thing that we want to communicate early on in this podcast is that's what Christianity believes, because that's actually what Jesus said about himself. And if we are to be people who follow Christ, we need to see that as a really, really important theological principle of our faith. And so we're going to be kind of talking about a little bit of the questions surrounding that principle a little bit later in this podcast. But Trav, how about how about this question? So on a little bit more of like a pragmatic perspective, how do we know that Jesus said this? Okay, so obviously this was 2,000 years ago. We weren't with him as he said it. How do we know that these were actually the words of Jesus and not just um, John's perspective on what Jesus said? Because they're red letters in the Bible, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Depending on your translation. Depending on your translation. No, uh, I think we can trust Scripture. Like Mm -hmm. I know you, I think you did an episode on this um, Mm -hmm. several episodes back about uh, just all the different manuscripts that we have of the Bible over time yep. um, compared to even like other well-known works that are commonly trusted. Right. Uh, it's pretty crazy <laughs> that yeah. it's like the most tested manuscript of all time yep. and it like still stands up to the test. And so um, I think that I think you always have to be a little bit critically minded of like what is the author to gain from writing something too. Right. right. And authorial tent or authorial, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, all of Jesus' disciples like died pretty much because of him. (laughs) And so like there was no incentive for John to write that this other guy was saying something like this. Right. Um, And so I, I don't know, like I don't know what other reason he would have to write this. Right. And with the historical text being accurate, as far as we know, and more so than any other manuscript, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the most logical thing to believe based on what we know. Yeah, that's really good. And I think, when you read things in the Bible that are hard to understand. So what we don't want to claim is that this statement by Jesus is this really fluffy. It's not the same as I came to love the world, right? Like that like right. is an exciting right. thing right. to listen to. Whereas this is like, it is genuinely a hard understanding because 
primarily because we live in a culture of pluralistic faith, but for them as well, the people that Jesus was talking to, he claimed that he was the singular pathway to eternal life and salvation. Mm. Like, no matter what time in history you say that, that's like a controversial thing. Right. But as we read things in the Bible that are hard to understand, what one way that we can actually understand the Word of God is to take a verse in its context of the book, but also in the theme of what Jesus came to mm. do. Yeah. So I think like, we see a verse like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that can seem exclusive in nature, that can seem um, kind of elitist in ideology, whatever that looks like, but if you think about who Jesus claimed that he was, he claimed that he was the son of God sent from heaven to bring salvation mm. to the world, right? Right. This was his, his ultimate claim. It wasn't just in this verse that he talks about his purpose to come to earth, but it was in everything that he did. And almost all, after all of his miracles, he would always talk about, Man, he came to do the will of the Father. And he's claiming that he is the Son of God who came to save the entire world. And that's on a macro theme level, but he also makes it very, very clear in verses like this. Hmm. And so the express purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to be God incarnate, living in the flesh, and to die a death that we couldn't die, to pay for sins that we couldn't pay for, so that we too could have eternal life. His whole mission was salvation for humanity. Right. And so we can actually know that he doesn't just say this in John 14, but he backs it up not only with his life, but also his death on the cross. Right. And that's, I mean, that's super compelling right there, right? Is like, I feel like most other religions mm. that I know of, if not all other religions, benefit people. Right, right. <laughs> or totally. like someone is needing you to do something for them. Right. And the way of Christ, the way of Christianity is, laying yourself down yeah and uh there's something like soul beautiful about that you yeah, know like you just yeah. feel it in your gut where it's like oh this this person that i'm supposed to be worshiping and following died for me right right before like i even did anything wrong he like decided to die for me and right. so um the fact that he makes absolute truth claims like that yeah and exclusive truth claims like that like Ironically, we all want to know what the absolute truth is, but <laughs> totally. like when we hear it, it feels like, oh, you know, like I, I feel bad for everyone else who believes right. something different. <laughs> right. Like, are you sure there can't be anything else out there? And right. when it's backed up with that type of love, yeah, um, it just it stirs something in you that's yeah. hard to to dismiss. No, I love that. And and Travis, I just even want to kind of mention or comment on something that you said that I thought was so insightful that the disciples had nothing to gain from following Jesus. But in fact, what Jesus promised them was that if they did follow them, if they did follow him, they would die. Right. <laughs> like right. actually, right. Like, <laughs> like that's that's like a really uncompelling vision right. for your life. Like if I were to be like, hey, Trav, come work for Salt City. If you come work for Salt City, you'll die. You'd be like, I'll stay at a different company. <laughs> like I'll it's stay just, with healthcare. Yeah, exactly. And scientific. It's like not compelling at all. And yet that was the message that Jesus gave to all his disciples. And not only did he give it to his disciples, but he lived out that message, hmm. right? He lived three, he did a three year long public ministry, which by the way, is not that long of a time. If you look at religious leaders from all of human history, from all the different religions, we would consider that a very unsuccessful stint. And yet in his three years, what he told everyone that wanted to follow him is that if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross and die. Right. And then he goes and does that himself. Right. And somehow, That's crazy. <laughs> and somehow he made such a big impact that our calendar is literally like <laughs> totally. based around him. Like three years in all of the world yeah. is like based off of his life. Yeah. You know, as far as timing and things like that. And the Bible's the number one book that's yeah. been like sold and things. You know, like there's just so many crazy 
ways in which Jesus has like impacted the world. Right. Right. Um, as like an influential person outside of whatever you believe. And yeah, so yeah. just because of that, we should listen to what he has to say. <laughs> right. Right. Which is in some senses like eerily beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. On, on paper, like we believe in a carpenter who worked with his hands, who had no education, who wasn't uh, at the top of the social ladder in the Roman Roman centurion or whatever, who was born into obscurity in a manger, mm. worked with his hands for the first like 28 years of his yeah. life, 29 <laughs> years of his life, and then walked around literally on his feet and on the backs of donkeys for three yeah. years, preaching about a kingdom to come that he didn't get to necessarily live in. Like he described a heaven and a vision for life that he embodied in himself, but was not present in the world around him. Right. And after his three years, he died a brutal death. Right. And then all of his disciples that followed him, who were genuine believers, died similar deaths. Right. Um, And that's that's a crazy thing that 2,000 years later, we're still worshiping him. Right. And that 2.1 billion people on the earth today claim to follow that person. Right, right. A carpenter. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, like not it, impressive and it wasn't during the internet age where like people would totally. have heard about it's all like word of mouth yeah stuff, it couldn't you know? go viral you know <laughs> like it's like can yeah. you imagine you're like <laughs> back in that time period you're just in a town and a guy comes into town and you know like the authorities in that town are trying to like kill him right and he's like follow this guy like become a christian just like i am even yeah. though you know what it's going to mean for you right and deciding to do it. Like I f- what you just said, eerily beautiful. Like I feel like that needs to be a sermon series. Like, <laughs> like that's such a an awesome way to describe what the gospel is. So Yeah. In one sense, it's like the least compelling life to live. Yeah. Because it's give up your financial wealth, at least. For people at that time, it was at least your financial and social status. Right. If not your life. Your family. Your like, family. So you'd be that. ostracized from your family. You'd have no right. ability to gain jobs. Like it was basically being labeled almost as a convict in, in present age. Right. But instead of C for convict, it was C for Christ. And people would treat you like you had the plague. Right. And that was the minimum of what you could lose. Right. The maximum of what you could lose is your life. And yet, so many people begin to follow this Jesus people movement. And, and that's like the unique thing about this movement is it's, in some senses, it makes no sense. Hmm. But that's why it's true. Yeah. Is because it's not built on a multi-level marketing scheme of a company. It's built on the back and the death of Jesus. And like, whether you're Christian or not, you have to come up with an explanation. Right, right, totally. How that happened. Like, you can't just ignore that. And I mean, as as human beings, all we can go off of is like what we see, right? What we learn, like Mm -hmm. the things that we feel within ourselves as human beings to figure out and answer some of those big questions, like we were talking about, and that story and um, how that's impacted humanity is something that you have to consider. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you can't just turn a blind eye to the most influential person in the world and claim that you're trying to figure out what this life's all about. Yes. Yes. And we'll, we'll kind of move on to the next thing here, but one of my favorite quotes from Yuval Harari, who's uh, kind of the leading atheist of our time is that human rights is a Christian myth. Hmm. So what he's not saying is that human rights are bad. Okay. He's not like this horrible person, right. whatever, whatever. <laughs> But he is saying that the only way to actually see human rights correctly throughout all of human history is through the image of God doctrine. Right. That human rights did not make sense in first century Jerusalem. And that's why Romans were essentially allowed to do whatever they wanted to the Jews is because in that time, power meant do whatever you want. Right. And yet Jesus embodied power. Right. From heaven. And instead of doing whatever he wanted, he actually gave himself up for the lives of many. 
and actually lifted up people who were poor and oppressed. And mm. he actually, in himself, in his bodily form, in his three-year-long ministry, created human rights for human rights for all of human history. And the leading atheist of our day is saying, you can you can say there are human rights, but you cannot say that they're based in anything except the Christian doctrine. Right. I it's mean, it's actually a myth in a sense if you don't believe in that. You know? Right. Like. There, if you think about it, there's literally zero reason for me to care about my neighbor. Right. <laughs> totally. If like I don't believe yeah. in Christianity or that like humans were created. Right. That they're intrinsically valuable. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I care about any of the social justice things going on? Right. My neighbors like that. That is what compels you. Right. Yes. Because if if that's not true, if my neighbor wasn't created and intrinsically valuable because God said he was. Right. Because God created him. All he is to me is a step for me to climb on totally. to elevate myself. Yes. Or a, a barrier of the resources available in our world. Right. 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 Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's almost like, if you think about Darwinian materialism, if, if all of life is survival to the fittest, then it's like, man, that neighbor who's pretty fit yeah. and <laughs> has similar life attributes to you. It's really, your goal would be to actually take him down, right. not take him up. Right. And yet the Christian cause is lay your life down for the lives of others. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of survival of the fittest it's actually right. death of the fittest right you know? so yeah anyways but that's yeah anyways i just love that that's just so beautiful so all right travis let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the implications of jesus saying that so mm. we've kind of talked a little bit about why jesus can say that and in some senses why it's beautiful that jesus said that um, but let's just talk a little bit about what does this mean for other religions, right? Mm. So we live in a world that's pluralistic in nature where there's all these different types of people or religions claiming that they have the way, the truth, and the life. Um, How can Jesus say that he is the way, the truth, and the life? And what does that mean for us as we view other different types of worldviews and other religions? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, So let's let's go back into John 14 here. So John 14, 8 uh, Philip, one of his disciples, who's been with him for a little while, says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Mm. And so Philip is asking a question that I think all of human history has asked, and yeah. that's show us God. Right. Show us yourself, God. You know, if you're real, where are you? Mm. And Jesus basically responds, haven't I been with you for so long? Like, <laughs> totally. like, haven't you seen the miracles that I've been right. doing and these these incredible things and these healings? and?" Right just how I live my life. And yeah. um, I think that that's, that's the question that everyone asks. Yeah. And we also need to, to take stock of Jesus's response of like, right. if we saw God and if God revealed himself to us in any other way, yeah. would we actually believe it? Mm. You know? Um, and Philip lived with God, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like physically lived with God. Totally. And so, uh, the fact that we now have the whole story yeah. of the Bible yeah, um, and we have all of this historical evidence and there's all of these things that we can point to. We're at a point in history where it's like we have a more complete story of what God is doing than right. anyone else before us. Totally. And to not see God is a very human thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And so mm. um, I think once you get to that point, you, you start to get into like, okay, some of these other religions, like how do I know Christianity is true compared to other religions? Right. Right. And, I think what you have to look to it for the next point is the Bible clearly talks about um, as human beings, we're guilty right. of sin. Right. And that's something that you, you see in this world, right. like apart from what you believe in, like 
you have a, a niece or a nephew or a kid. Like, I don't have to train them <laughs> totally. to steal something or yeah, to lie. Yeah. Like, it's you're just, innate in it's some innate. senses, right? Yeah, you're born with this desire yeah. um, to do things selfishly for yourself. Right. And opposed to what the Bible would say is good and right and holy, or many other places would say is good, right, and holy. And so yeah. what do we do with that? Other religions would say you need to work hard right. to stop doing bad things to totally. earn favor with this God. Mm-hmm. So kind of working out of a place of guilt yes. in some senses, right? Yes. Yep, in a lot of ways. And it's what it ends up being is just the striving towards perfection that you mm. can't get to <laughs> yeah yeah um like even the people who are old and who have lived a really good life still sin right like what we would call sin like still do right. bad still mess things. up still have evil in their hearts exactly yeah. exactly mm. and so the god of the bible says don't sin but i'm going to send my son to die for you because you're going to continue to sin <laughs> right right and i will pay that price because there has to be um payment yeah right for sin and for evil right. and uh, you can't just keep doing, keep trying your way to salvation. Right. There actually is a consequence for the bad things that you do, and I'm going to pay that consequence that you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. In a sense, Christianity is so unique because it's fundamentally built the, built differently than any other world religion. Right. And I know Travis kind of mentioned that, but, man, the gospel, the Christian gospel is hilarious. It's that <laughs> while you were still a sinner, while you were imperfect, Christ came to die for you. The son of God, God in himself, came to die for people who did not deserve it. And because of that, you actually get to live out righteousness. Right. Whereas in some senses, that's super backward because every other world religion and every other world philosophy is because you're not good enough, be better. Right. Do more, achieve more. And then you'll finally get to this place where you might be uh, essentially deserving of love. Right. And all of us know that. Man, no matter how much education you have, no matter how much money you have, all the different like ways that we uh, describe being successful in this world, you'll still be broken, hmm. angry, sinful. That's just who you will be. Right. And you'll never achieve perfection. Right. And so even like the age old like cliche, nobody's perfect is actually true, except there was one person who was right. perfect. <laughs> And because of that, you don't have to be perfect to be loved and known. But Jesus offers a different way. And kind of piggybacking on that, too, other religions all have central people right, right. that are, like, in the middle of it that you're supposed to follow and mm. be reverent of and all of these things. Yeah. And every person that I know that people decide to follow, like, in our day and age, <laughs> totally. like, eventually messes up. Right, right. Most people, it doesn't take too long, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. you think about all the scandals that come out. You think about all these popular, <laughs> famous people who, like, right. things come out, you know, that they're actually not that great of a role model. Yeah. And the the people who are also founding these other religions and who yeah. are, like, these key people, um, they also have skeletons in the closet, you yeah. know? And so, like, yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to make is every human being has an end of the line where they're not it. Right. Except for right. Jesus. Yes. Like, literally— Jesus was perfect and no one has a story that claims otherwise. Right. Right. You know, like even Judas who betrayed him, who said that he had something imperfect of him ended up committing suicide because he like knew it wasn't true. Right. Right. And so he was in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like if, if you're going to put your hope in somebody, put your hope in somebody who actually like passed the test of being someone worth following and not, you know, something came out about him, a scandal came out, like all of these things where it's like, oh, that person is just a normal person. <laughs> right, right. No, I love that. And even, you know, 
yeah, because as I think about every other world religion, they all have like key leaders, whether present day or future that you're supposed to follow right. and kind of essentially put your hope in. But no other world religion has someone claiming to be God at the center of it, right? right, right. So Jesus is genuinely the only person in human history who has come as God incarnate, claimed that, and lived that, right? which is kind of insane. And then in addition to that, a lot of people will be like, well, weren't there like apostles of the early church? Don't we have leaders in the church? Well, if they're an actual follower of Jesus and all the apostles were, they all claim that they weren't the ones to be looked to. Right, right. So they're like, <laughs> by their own admonition, they're not the one to worship, but actually they're just another human right. that is pointing to the one to worship. That's so good. And that's, that's why we can have faith in this is it's not something manipulatable by human humanity or by man and even as Jesus was the singular most powerful person to ever step foot on human on the earth, he came and lived in such a humble and high character way right. that represents how his power was incorruptible. Right. Whereas as Travis said, every other human institution you put your faith in, they will be corrupted by power. They have been corrupted by power. And we know that. Right. And that's actually our culture's like biggest hot button thing against authority. Um, but authority that Christ has will never be abused and has never been abused. Whereas authority that humanity has held has done that. So, and even like yeah. Christian authority yeah, has yeah. done that at times, totally. but like that's the answer to what do we do with that? Right. Is that even Christians are sinful people yes. who like do really bad things. Right. Right. And all that we can do is point to Christ. Yeah. No one is worthy of worship. Right. Other than Jesus. Right. Exactly. Period. Right. Period. So Travis, if that's true, if, which we believe it is, right? But if it's true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him, that he is the singular person to put our faith in, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not any Hinduistic worldviews or philosophies, not any atheistic worldviews or philosophies. If Jesus is the singular way, what should this produce in a Christian? Life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's the, the really easy right, way. Right, right. Salvation, yeah, exactly. Um, but, I, like, like I said earlier, joy yeah like what a relief yeah to know that that weight that i feel that mm. i have not been enough and yeah. i will never be enough yeah is like exactly what jesus is looking for right like right. jesus takes sinners yeah right like you don't need to clean yourself up to come to him and so no. um there's so much freedom in following christ and i think even going back to my story of in high school senior year like living this duplicate life and just feeling the pressure and the weight of trying to keep everyone pleased and right. keep these images of myself up that I thought I was building. Yeah. It's exhausting. And I yeah. think that what you see right now in the world is people are just tired mm -hmm. <laughs> of trying to build themselves up in different ways. And, yeah. um, Jesus is saying like, no, my, my burden and my yoke are easy and light, you yeah. know, put your burden on, on me. Let me, let me take them from you. And, yeah. Be okay with being just a normal human being who points to me. Yeah. Just like every other Christian who's followed me. Yes. Yeah, it gives you so much freedom. And in a, in another sense, it, it gives such a heart for people. Yeah. Because you realize that if their faith is not in Christ, everything else will let them down. And they'll live a life worshiping something that isn't real. Right. If I love my neighbor, I'm going to share the hope that Jesus has yes. for them. Yes, in word and in deed and in every way, in prayer. Like, I think it gives you a lens of like, man, I've, I've heard um, 
I remember the first time hearing this idea that Jesus was the only way. And my response, I think a lot of people's response is, well, what about all the other ways that aren't <laughs> the way? And I'm like, yeah. And if that's true, then I don't know. I know a lot of people in my life that don't yet know that he's the only way. Right. Which means my life as a human being that just points to the Savior. Uh, everything that I do has incredible meaning. Right. It's done in Jesus's name. Right. And so as you're sitting in your class come J term or in February or whatever, and you're sitting down and you're like, I hate macroeconomics. <laughs> <laughs> I'd literally be anywhere else except this class right now. I want you to remember this podcast that Jesus has placed you there because there are people in that room that need to hear that he's the only way. And you can live and love in such a way that points to Jesus. And that means microeconomics class <laughs> really, really matters. So, company, we love you guys. We're excited to see you guys February 3rd and hope this podcast has been helpful to you. See you later.